Hey everyone, welcome to Entrepreneurship by Design with Dr. C. I'm your host, Dr. Caroline, and thank you so much for joining us today. Entrepreneurship looks different for everyone. How and why we start our business, challenges that occur, pivots we have to make, success we achieve, all while life is happening. That's why I love sharing these inspiring entrepreneurs with you and shed light that there is enough room for everyone to succeed and thrive, even if you're in the same industry. I am so honored today because I have Ethan Berg with me. Ethan is the founder and CEO of Agora World. As a no-code student founder with an idea at Temple University, Ethan saw firsthand how difficult it is to create an immersive 3D social experience. Starting Agora with the original focus on creating the first VR shopping platform, Ethan learned from the years of time and the team he worked with to build it in order to make a pivot that would solve his own problem, a simpler way to create virtual experiences. Ethan went on to speak at Hack Princeton about the importance of human element in our digital experiences and has since over 20 appearances on panels, podcasts, TV shows, and more. He wants to empower himself and others just like him, him to be able to actualize their imagination and share experiences with people from all across the world. Thank you so much for being here today, Ethan. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I'd love to just dive into your journey. I know you've had quite the experience, but if you could just take us through how you got here today, and then we can dive a little bit deeper. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess I'll start. I, I'm from Philly, born and raised. I uh, just moved down to Orlando recently. Um, and so while, while I was in Philly, I went to Temple University. I graduated May 2020, so right at the height of the pandemic. And while I was a student at school, I, you know, I, I always wanted to start my own business. And my dad brought home a VR headset one day. And for those that, that play video games or, or have, you know, multiplayer video games were pretty high, like, like hype while, while I was growing up. So I had friends from all over the world that I've never met. You know, it's just the reality of it just made, made sense. Um, so when I tried a VR headset for the first time, it, it was the first time where I was literally in the same space as that person, which just felt, it felt very different for me um, than, than what I was used to. And because of that, you know, I, 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 every class I took at, at Temple was kind of just pushing me of, you know, find a problem, find what's going to happen next. And, and, you know, that's what you need to do. And in my head, it was, well, these experiences are going to be everywhere. Like you're, you, people, we, our digital identity, I started building this in 2019, so right before COVID. And even before COVID, I started believing that our digital identity is more valuable than the one that we have in person, because I've got 2,000 connections on LinkedIn. I don't definitely don't know 2,000 people in real life. And if so, I, I don't see them that often. Um, I see my digital friend, like friends and connections way more than I see my in-person ones. That, that's just how it works. And I feel like that that's how it is for many people. Um, so I guess, you know, as you said, with the hack Princeton that, that I gave while I was at school, the, the point of that presentation was to push to the forefront that our, our digital experiences of today are mundane and, and flat and somewhat lonely. And that my objective is to, how do we make it so that people can have a truly genuine, organic, fluid interaction in, in, in the digital world so that for the moment you can't be together, you know, not to replace the real world. That, that's a misconception. I think for the people, for the times you can't be there, you know, how do you, how do you make that feel more real? Um, I would say, so that, that would be the big bulk of it. But within that, like, how do we get here? I just, with building the VR shopping platform, there were barrier after barrier. Um, I don't know how to code. 
So I, I was investing my, my life savings uh, to hire a development team that could help me build it. Um, and that's still the reality of the situation today is it's 20, 30, 50, $100,000 to build out an environment, like an experience. And for me, it's just like, that makes no sense. Like how many people can really invest that into an unknown? So we're, we're looking at it from the same way Canva did with graphic design and, and Wix did for websites. And we're trying to create a 3D creation tool that empowers anyone to build from scratch and have it up and running in an hour, you know, in no time at all with no experience, no money down, just build. Um, and from there, you know, we're, we're hoping that those experiences bring people together, I, I would say. I love it. And I love that you share that too. I just saw an article like this morning about Canva and how it's women led as well, but like how she had over a hundred no's of just being able to start something, but making it tangible for the end user as well, which I love that you guys are creating. And I would love to for you to just tap into a little bit more of the importance of the human element and that connection piece. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd say that it's the, the main thing about the human element is, is that we all have it. Uh, and that, like that, that's what most people say is like, you know, what makes us different than, you know, AI, right? And it's the human element. It's the ability to be creative. It's the ability to have emotion, uh, you know. And I think that when it comes to a lot of the experiences we have online, again, they're mundane. You know, you go to a website, the average time people spend on a website is like 40 seconds. That's like pretty good, actually, if you get 40 seconds. Um, and that's just because it's not enjoyable. It's not immersive. It's flat. You're the only one there. It, you know, that's no fun. So, so when it comes to that human element, the reason why we spend more time in stores in real life, why we spend more money in stores in real life, even as e-commerce grows in store shopping, most people still do the shopping in store. That's just how, you know, over, I, I believe it's 70% is still in store. Um, maybe that's different since all, all the COVID stuff. Um, but, but I know that it, even with e-commerce growing, it, people buy in real life because they can hold it. They can feel the product. They can hear the aura of the music. You know, what, what does it feel like to be in the, in the brand store? Do I like their vibe? Do I like their people? You know, do I need help? Someone's here to help me. And I think that until those experiences come to life online, it's going to be very difficult for a brand to create a relationship with a consumer online. Um, and I'd just say on the flip side for humans in general, you know, Instagram and, and social media, I don't use that personally. I, I stopped because I found it to be quite addicting. Um, and, and what the reason why it's addicting is because there's, in my opinion, it's addicting if there's minimal value at, if you're spending your time doing something where there's tremendous value, it's not an addiction. Um, you know, I, I, so, so I look at those experiences as you're, you make a post, uh, you know, that's probably edited. Everyone edits their stuff, uh, to make themselves look good. Um, and then everyone comments and they comment back 20 minutes later. And like, that's a social experience online. It's very asynchronous. This conversation, this is pretty close. I got to say, this is, this is real time. You know, you hear me, I hear you in the right second, you know, that millisecond. So, so for me, it's, it's looking at those and saying, well, how do we take the time that we would spend on a social media scrolling and just clicking for brands and influencers we like and turn that into a, an immersive experience where now I can, when I spend my time online, I'm actually doing something with my time. I'm adventuring, you know, and climbing Mount, Mount Olympus Mons and uh, on Mars. I'm, I'm visiting Nordstrom Rack. I'm going to their, their digital store and walking around and I'm going with my friend who lives across the country because we haven't talked to each other and seen each other for a while, or we're going to get a coffee, whatever it might be. It's just about bringing 
bringing back the piece that matters most to humans, like, like to us, like, and trying to bring that back to the way that we do things online. I love that because it's something that's not really talked about, right? Like there's like conversations about it, but really grasping that element of that communication and being able to be in real time next to somebody, maybe it's virtually like right now, but being able to like walk in the mall with your friend, like when's the last time we've been able to do that with people that live in different locations as well, just like moving, like you just moved to Florida from Philly, but people may be back in Philly that you don't get to see all the time as much. I mean, that's why I originally built it. I had friends graduating and it was, you know, I want to create an experience I just share with them. And then I found out they don't have headsets. No, like, you know, minimal headsets are available right now. And the big problem was, well, you know, two problems. One, I want to, you know, I want to do more than just shop. Like there's a lot of experiences you'd want to share with people. Um, and, and the second part of that was, well, how does someone even create the store? And that was where it just kept hitting me of like, well, I can do it. Like I, I can put images on a wall. I can put a 3D model down on, on the ground, but you really can't. Like I tried building, the game engines are so, they're convoluted for, uh, you know, in my opinion, for no reason. Um, and for us, it's, well, how do we take that and make that easy enough that I can do it? And if I can do it, most people can probably figure it out. I, I'm not, uh, like, I'm, I'm not that, that technical on that end. It's just more of holistically, I just think that that's where we should be heading is a more connected world. Absolutely. Because I think a lot of people lost that. And I mean, COVID really brought people together, FaceTiming more, doing Zoom, people got Zoomed out, but being able to bring that element back, I think it is so important. So where do you see the future of digital social interactions happening from like what you're creating, what's to come? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, so I'll give kind of two answers here. Cause I, for most people, right. The hype word of today is metaverse. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to look at you and say, oh, it's going to happen in the metaverse. And what I'll what I'll say is, is that term is just an overall umbrella term for 3D social experiences. They are. That is what the metaverse is. Right. Video games are a part of that. This is technically a part of it. It's a real time social interaction that we're having. This is a part of the metaverse. Right. So I, I, I'd love to tell you that it's going to exist in the metaverse. But in reality, I, I, I don't think that term is going to be used. Overall, uh, unfortunately, it was with good intention, but has been uh, since ruined with, um, with, with yeah, bad reputation, I guess, to an extent, um, and, and a lot of rug pulls and things. So I, I think that where it's going to exist is the same place that online interactions exist today. Uh, I mean, you know, you'll have sites like a Facebook, like an Instagram, a Snapchat, where, you know, it's their own neighborhood where there's groups of people that are like one another that all go to this platform to interact and post things and see each other and do things. But I think that the same way you go to a website, if I'm going to shop, I go to Nordstrom.com, Macy's.com, Amazon.com, you're going to go to the, their website and the experience is going to be right there. And the difference is, is you'll be walking inside of their website, you know, in, in that sense, turns it into a 3D canvas and you'll see the other people that are also on the site at the same time as you. So even if you go by yourself, you'll still see other shoppers. Uh, you'll see other people. I, I don't think it will exist in what you call the metaverse. It, it's the the underlying technology isn't what it's what's important. What's important is that it's used in a way that display that creates value for brands and for people in general. So I think that as long as it works in that way, like that's you're going to find it where people go, which is people's websites. 
Mm. It's just so fascinating because it's like still so foreign, even to me. Like, I mean, I'm learning a little bit more and more each day about it, but I am no expert by any means. But I'm curious because there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to metaverse versus Web3. So can you explain that and tackle that so people could understand it? Yeah, sure. I mean, when when it comes to misconceptions, I think that there's a few. Uh, Number one is, you know, this is going to ruin the real world. I'd say it's probably the number one. It's like, oh, the virtual world's going to take over. No one's going to leave their house. To an extent, I guess some people will. Um, but they're, they're probably people that, that don't like to go out anyway, to be honest, you know, they, they are looking for an escape in, in another world because they don't like the, the one that we're in, you know, that and th- there's people like that already. So I, I don't think that that's the case. I think that it, the misconception, again, it won't replace, it will just change human behavior to be have when we, when we need to have the online experience that we can't be physical with somebody else and, or f- with a place that we need to be, we could still be there together that 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 is i think that that's what it will be it will replace the interactions that aren't as good or as immersive as the real world is today um and and add that i think the other misconceptions are like metaverse and nfts and blockchain and and the whole tangle right they're Mm -hmm. they're all different technologies i think they play very well together like they play very nicely um, just because of the way the the reasoning behind why they're built is to be open and decentralized and extendable, fully customizable. You own your stuff, you own your creation, you own your data, blah, blah, blah. And so they're built on the same philosophy, but they aren't necessarily, they don't necessarily need to go hand in hand in every single way. So that would be the other thing is like, I think people get tangled in like, well, if I'm using the metaverse, do I need to use NFTs? Do I need to do, if I'm doing NFTs, do I need to use block, like, like you know, blockchain, obviously if you're doing NFTs, you do need to do blockchain, but like, you know, like all of these different like hype terms, I, I think our, our focus is the metaverse, the 3D immersive experiences, the other pieces of it. I don't think there should necessarily be a dependency, but rather the decision of the creator on what they want to use. So if you come along and you're building a world, you might say, I want Shopify, my, you know, I, I use HubSpot as my CRM and Google AdWords because I want to get make money from showing ads for other stuff in my world. Cool. Someone else might come along and say, well, I want to use this cryptocurrency and you know, this blockchain and I want to use this CRM, whatever it is. And they just, ha- they should ha- both have the option there and you can mix and match. So I, I, I think that would be one of the bigger misconceptions is that it, like it needs to be tied. I think that they will work together in a lot of great ways, but that they aren't, they don't necessarily need to go hand in hand. Mm. That's super interesting because it's like you can have all the different variations just in life, right? You can use different currencies if you go overseas versus using the dollar with crypto, things along those lines. But really being able to look at it, it doesn't have to be tied together, but you can if you want to. Exactly. Yep. And that's that's what it should be. It should be up to to your choice. It's your, your experience. You know, if you want people paying you in a certain way, that is the way you should do it. You know, if you want people buying your goods in a certain way, Shopify versus NFTs, like, you know, you could probably do very similar things with both. Um, obviously one is more decentralized and open than, than the other one is, but, you know, again, it does the same, at the end of the day, me and you don't care about how it's built. We just care, did we get our, did we buy it? And did it show up at my house? Right. If those two things happen, I'm hands off. Cool, it worked. Thank you. Right. Like whatever you're using is great. 
it came to me. So <laughs> I, I think that we need to focus a little bit more on that aspect, which is like, does it work the way people want it to work rather than like, oh, it needs to be tied to this and then add 10 more steps of signing up for a wallet that no one understands why they need a wallet, right? Like it's gotta be more, it's gotta be more subtle, I think, than it needs to be like in your face about what you're doing. Like you can have a wallet, but you don't, it just, for you, it just looks like your car or whatever it might be, you know? Like, I, I think there's there's different ways to display it that would make a little bit more sense. No, absolutely. And I think too, it's just, there's still so much unknown or people who haven't done the research or even like experimented with it. But what have been some of the barriers of creating this social experience? Some of the, so, I mean, the barrier in itself is just like development is expensive, you know? Um, so we're, you know, we, we started by building one use case, retail. We wanted to build a shopping platform, right? Anyone else that wanted to do that, they'd be putting the same money in today. Probably more developers are, are a lot more desired at the current moment, uh, especially 3D. They're very expensive. So when, when it comes to building the, we're, we're building the infrastructure. So that, that takes even more development effort just because we're trying to give you the tools so that you don't need a developer to do it for you. So like even today, like the, the number one barrier is that you can't necessarily come along and just do it the way you need to quickly. It's very, it's, it, it's an expensive and time-consuming process for, for almost everybody across the board. I mean, we, we've been talking to DOD companies. We've been talking to Fortune 500 companies. We've been talking to small businesses who have very limited resources, just like us, a small business. Um, so, you know, and every single one is the same problem. It's, you know, why do I do this? Like, why should I do this? Right? The value add. And I think that that, as you said, it is undefined for a lot of people. Um, training is a huge value add that I think helps everybody is immersive training. That one's a great one that we've seen a lot of value in. Education is a big one. Uh, you know, team building, community building, social experiences, again, you know, pushing that to the forefront, very big. But your team will find a different value add than that team that will find a different value add than that team. Like there's, there's many different reasons. So the, the education piece is a barrier, just mm -hmm. learning, like, as you said, like people will ask questions because it's new um, and unknown. So people want to know. Um, and then once they know, so how do they even try? Like yeah. they're going to pay 30 grand, you know, put down a down payment to build something that they don't even know is going to work. Yeah. I know, you know, it's just not as realistic as with ours you come along, you drag and drop in an hour, at least you, you have something you can go and share, you know? Do you like it? Do not test it. If you don't like it, iterate, change, you know? And then if you want to do a real build for 30 grand, at least you know what works, what doesn't, and you can find a designer to help you with creating that experience that you're not capable of. So like that, I'd say like, that's a really big barrier. And then I think the focus on headsets would be the other big one. You know, I'm not, I, I think that is the future. I think everyone will have a VR or AR headset at a given point in the future. Mm -hmm. um, it's just at the current moment, it's just not mass market. And because of that, for brands that are focused on experiences that are headset only, um, again, there's a value to headset, but you're limiting yourself to 30 million people, 40 million people, whatever it might be, uh, that currently have headsets and there's 5 billion online. So there's a, 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 the mass market isn't there yet. So I think it's how do you create experiences that meet the consumer where they are today and just expect that over time, they're going to end up here and be ready for it when they do. Um, so I'd say like that would probably be the other really big piece. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Just like thinking of the numbers and the people and like each, how people are 
adjusting to changes in life. If you look at it, it takes people a little bit of time, especially once everybody's doing it, then everybody wants to do it kind of like social media. It's like, okay, well, influencers and brands and this and that, it just hasn't caught on yet, but it's about to, it seems like. It's on the floor. I, I hope so. Yes. <laughs> I think so. Um, but with that being said, I'm curious, what has been maybe one or two client success stories in building um, the social experience that you've have had so far? Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch. Like I, I'd say like uh, Shining Temple University has been great Like working with them. Honestly, they, they did a class last semester on the platform where they used it as a creation tool um, to teach students how to build 3D experiences with a focus on building the you know, the future of universities. What do you imagine that's going to look like ultimately? Um, and that was really good. Awesome feedback. And, and this semester, they, they upped it to about 150 students that, that are going to be using it. So um, a huge success in that end just of like proving that not only do they think that there's a, a tremendous value in what we're creating by, by enabling their, and empowering their students to build in this way, but also just knowing that, you know, the class loved it so much that they're, they're redoing it and then other classes and then departments are also kind of hopping on board and seeing the same thing. Um, I think that that's really great. So that one is, is really exciting in my opinion. Um, the other ones, I mean, we've done career fairs with 250 people, people found jobs. They spent an average of an hour and 42 minutes per session. So, you know, 40 seconds on a website, hour 42 at the career fair event. We've had art galleries, fundraisers, which have gone great. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, we, we partnered with, uh, with a company out in Cali, Unanimous AI, who has created a swarm technology. It's basically take a group of people and it will give you the collective intelligence of the group. Same way fish swim and swarm, like, you know, in the fish, they, they swim in school with fish and then bees swarm birds flock, right? They go the same direction somehow, like that collective intelligence. They're basically doing that with AI for humans, like for groups of people, which is very intriguing. Um, and their founders are an awesome, great guy, very knowledgeable, like like one of the founders of the space in general. So he, um, we, we integrated with them so that for market research, like focus groups, you can bring in a 3D model of a product and let them interact with it, ask them a question and get the collective feedback from the group. What do they think? with a confidence level, which I, I think is groundbreaking for, for a variety of reasons, just because today you bring it in person and that's just not ideal. Uh, it's very expensive to produce a product. So that's cool. We're doing stuff with Phoenix real-time streaming for sports, like live sports inside of the virtual world. So you can go and watch the games virtually. Pretty soon go to the stadium and the players will be on the field or the court and you can watch courtside. That, that's coming soon. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of really cool different implementations that could come along that's the i think that's the fun part is i hear a new idea every day from people um and i'm even building my own ideas you know things that I, i'm building a halloween experience right now with uh, sideshow collectibles which is going to launch that's going to be a ton of fun there's a maze like corn maze cemetery they've got a storefront in there to sell some halloween gear and stuff like that it's, it's really interesting just the possibilities i, I would say it's unlimited. I love that. And so what are maybe two or three tips you could give to budding entrepreneurs? Uh, number one piece of advice would be like, like do what you do, what you're passionate about or do what you love hands down. Like if you don't, don't do it. I'm serious. Cause like, I, I mean, I work 90 hours a week. That's just how it works. Uh, if you like what you do, it doesn't feel like it. That's for sure. I still get up excited every morning and you know, you'll have bad days. That's just, I'd say the brunt of it is, is a roller coaster. Some days are great. The next day, 
you can't believe you're doing it. <laughs> and it just like, it's a cycle. That's how it works. Um, and, and what I've realized is that the, the people that win are the ones that persist. They're not necessarily the best ones. They just know how to execute and they're willing to continue executing even after a bad day. So every time that you think you, you know, you're at a moment where it's like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like I should quit, blah, blah, blah. Like just know that everyone else you're competing against has those days too. And every single time, some of them drop off. Every single time, some of them quit. So eventually with enough days of, I want to quit, but you don't, you're one of the very few who has somehow persisted and, you know, you'll learn as you go. I mean, we didn't expect to build a creation tool. We were building a virtual reality shopping platform. And I figured out over, over a lot of time, it was just like, why are developers spending their time uploading an image or a video to put on a wall? I was like, that's, I, I literally, I looked at my team when they were doing that. And I was like, I was like, I can do that. I was like, I do that constantly. <laughs> I was like, can you just make it so I could do that? And they were like, well, I guess we could do that. And they built the first part of it, which let me upload images and videos to the world. And that was just like the, the really big start because we showed it to people and they were like, oh my, it's so easy to create an art gallery. It's so easy to create this career fair and blah, blah, blah. And since then we've really just kept leaning in on, well, how do we make it even easier to do more things, like more complicated things? So it wasn't, it, you'll, the road that we're on was not necessarily anticipated. And I think that that would be the last piece of advice is like, don't love the idea, love the problem. And it's just like, be really like, everyone says that I loved my solution when we were building the shopping and I ended up having to step back and say, I think there might be a bigger thing for this problem. Like, like what is a problem we want to do, which was share experiences with friends. The root of that problem is how do you create those experiences? And, and so we ended up finding the root. So I, I, like the problem that you're focused on, not the solution. Yeah, that would be my advice. I love that. Those are phenomenal tips. So thank you for sharing those. Absolutely. I've been enjoying this conversation so much, but we're gonna jump into rapid fire questions if you're ready for them. Ready. Okay, the first question is, who was your hero? Growing up, uh, my father. I mean, I just think he instilled good values into me. Like he, he raised me in the right way. Um, I, I, I don't know there's a right, wrong. I don't know. Everyone does it differently. I guess for me, it was the right way where it's like, I, I, I don't know. He, I mean, he started his own business when he was pretty young and he, he's built a, like a few and he helps others with theirs. So I, I learned from him constantly and seeing him work hard, but then also finding time to spend time with family, which was important, you know, still doing family dinners, which, which I really liked just as like the importance of like, like the work-life balance. I think he instilled in me, it's like, you're never going to, you'll never have a real balance. The goal is to make sure every week you reevaluate how did I do last week and balance it back towards where you need it to be. Um, and that, you know, it just, it's a seesaw. Sometimes it's too far that way versus that way. And, you know, it's so I, but he always made time. And I think that that was really important, but then also just trying to picture what comes next, like being a builder and a creator, like Legos and video games, like all that he got me into sci-fi. So without him encouraging, I guess myself of like, you know, if you think this is what it's going to, the future is going to look like, like make it happen rather than shooting it down. If he thought it was a dumb idea like that, that in itself was motivation enough to build. So um, that would be my reasoning. Love it. Well, thank you for sharing that. And what motivates you to work smarter? To work smarter? Well, if I don't work smarter, my competitor is. I, I you know, I, I, I've always been told if you're not working, they're trying, they are trying to pummel you into the ground. 
are you really going to let them do that? You know, like, <laughs> so I, I would say that in it, that in itself is by far the motivation is it, you, you always need to be one step ahead. Like don't follow competition. That's another misconception is like, look at your competition and be like, Oh, I should do that. Like you can definitely get great ideas from them. And there are things we adopt. There are others we don't adopt, but if you're just following their lead, you're never going to do something different period. So you have to kind of be in your own lane and just like, you know, use it as a reference point of, Oh, th this works really well. We should look into maybe using this piece of it, but it doesn't mean their solution is the right way. So I, like I would say, like, you, you've got to work smarter uh, or, or harder, both combination, you know? Yes. I completely agree with that. Um, so if you were a superhero, what would be your power powers? The power to have every power. Mm. That'd be cool. I wouldn't want to let So if you could share a meal with any four individuals, living or dead, who would they be? Any four individuals? Mm-hmm. Living or dead? It's a great question. Number one, Elon Musk, I'd love to. I just think he's the most innovative person currently exists. Uh, guy launches rockets and lands them. It's... That in itself is, you know, on top of the other things, like he, he would be, an, oh, I would love to chat with him. I mean, that would, that would be an awesome conversation. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think. I, I think he's dead. I'm unsure if he's dead. Marshall McLuhan would probably be another. Um, I, I, I've read a few of his books. The main one being The Medium is the Message. Uh, and it's just literally just about, you know, the content of the message isn't what matters. It's the medium in which you use to represent the message. Because reading it on text, you know, period versus exclamation point versus putting it in bold, they say very different things versus using a picture or a video or 3D space. So I, I would love to have a conversation with him just because in the 60s, he predicted all of this. Um, so for me, it's trying to understand, like, how does this medium, this new medium that we're trying to create truly affect the way you, you portray a message? Um, and I think that would be a really cool conversation. Probably Nelson Mandela, I throw as another. Mm -hmm. I, I do think there's too much, we focus too much on differences rather than, you know, which again, there's nothing wrong about having it. The, the, we're unique for a reason. We're, yes. we're not the same for a reason. I think it's more about respecting each other's differences and agreeing to disagree. Like I was raised to agree to disagree. Like you don't, you can't hate someone for their opinion. They, they have the right to their opinion the same way you have the right to yours. And, and so I think that for me, I'd love to chat with him just because he was very big on, on working together and collaborating. Um, and I want to understand how, again, a medium like ours that brings people together from across the world, how can we have people work together to build better and smarter, you know, collectively? Um, so I, I think that would be a, a, a cool conversation. I'd probably say I, I just go back it's like 2500 BC or, or whatever year it was where they were founding democracy in Athens mm. because they founded it in the Agora. That was why we, partially why we named it Agora World because uh, the Agora was the meeting of the minds, philosophers. That was where yeah. society came together. That was where democracy was founded. The first demo democracy was there in the Agora. The first marketplace, first mall, that was in the Agora. So I would love to chat with them just as we're trying to bring you know, yeah. that concept back into, you know, it comes full circle. And I'd love to learn from them about what they thought would happen versus what really happened and try to learn from some of the mistakes potentially so that this goes the right way. 
I hope not that it hasn't gone my way, just more, you know. More no, I love it. Yeah. I love the dynamics. Four. That would be my four. Appreciate that. And what is the most daring thing you've ever done? Most daring thing that I've ever done. I mean, other than start building this, that would probably be number one. Just, I mean, success rates, what, 1%, you know? So the, that was probably pretty daring. <laughs> um, I think so. Given that, I mean, in, in my head, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of heights. I don't mind them. Like if I'm standing on glass a couple thousand feet up, that's cool. I love airplanes, roller coasters. Cause I, I feel safe. You know, you're like, yeah, I'm not going to fall, but I, I, I like cliff jumping. That is to me, it feels really daring just because I don't know why something about that just feels weird to me. It doesn't feel right. So to me, it feels daring. So every time I do that, I'm like, my heart drops. And for me, it feels like, you know, overcoming one of those things. Uh, so that, that would be my answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, I can attest to that. Um, what is the phone app that you use the most? The phone app I use the most. Email, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> yeah. Email, text, uh, WhatsApp. I, I don't use social media much. Spotify for podcasts and music. And what is the last book that you've read or listened to? Yeah, I just finished uh, Skeptics of the Universe this morning. Um, yeah. I wanted, it was interesting. It was, it was good. Um, it, I wouldn't say I didn't love it. Or I, I, didn't, I didn't hate it either. It just, for me, it was, you know, I, I felt like it was a lot of the things that I already have within me um, of just like being a skeptic and asking why. So I think that, that if you're looking to continue like getting to the core of a problem, I think it's a great book because it will direct you to always be skeptical to never, you know, and asking the question is the only, asking the hardest question is the only way to get to the right answer. So I'd say like, you have to really ask yourself the hardest, the question you don't want to answer. You probably have to ask yourself that. Well, last question is just where can people find you? LinkedIn would be the main thing. Finberg, Agor World, find me on LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out. Always open to conversation. You know, happy to talk to anybody, truly. Uh, but thank you again for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for being here and sharing your wisdom and all your knowledge and everything else. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment below. What was the biggest takeaway from Ethan today? I'm sure he would love to see that comment and we'll see you on the next video.